What's up, everybody? Welcome to today's episode of Podmosh. Today on the show, we have Deborah Peoples, who's running for Fort Worth mayor. Again, great conversation. I say that about every person I have a conversation with, but um, I really like understanding people and trying to figure out where they're coming from. Um, their history, how they make decisions. And I feel like I got to do that a lot with Miss Peoples here. Uh, ask them some kind of fun questions about how her brain works. And uh, again, she's a, she's a definitely a people person. Uh, she reiterates that a lot. And I completely agree. She just loves people. And that's something that's kind of cool. So hope you guys enjoy. I had a lot of fun talking to her. Y'all have a good one. All right, Miss Peoples, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am. So we, we just kind of went through a little introduction there with off off the record. It was, it was really cool. Um, you seem like a really cool person. <laughs> oh, well, ask my daughters and my niece that, you know, and my, ask my kids. They are constantly educating me on, you know, uh, what uh, these an oldie like me is missing and what I need to be listening to you all about. <laughs> Well, I think it's definitely a two-way street because mm-hmm. though the younger people have a niche for yeah. technology or what might be happening around in our yeah. generation, we're a lot of times not as wise. And a lot now age doesn't necessarily come with that's wisdom, right. but that's typically it's a pretty good indication. Like you, have, most people are are who are older have a lot of life experience. But Caleb, this is your world, and realistically, we oldies just get to live in it. I tell people all the time, the city of Fort Worth is is growing by leaps and bounds, but it is growing with 30-somethings. The average age of a resident of Fort Worth, Texas, is 37. And so those of us in my age group better start listening uh, to what you all are saying and having those crucial conversations because we're building a Fort Worth that you're going to be living in much longer than I will. Mm. Well, that's kind of why I wanted to reach out to you too, because um, I've said this a few times on my show where there's a gap between our age groups right now. Uh, It seems like, like I said earlier, that a lot of my generation just doesn't read a whole lot, or if they do read, it's usually that first paragraph of an article and they don't typically read the rest of it and get the full context. So these type of podcasts are really great to kind of bridge that gap. So I, I get what you're saying that, you know, y'all are living in our world, but I also disagree with you a little bit because uh, I think that's, that's not helping the, the situation. Okay. So, but let me tell you what will. So what, when I say we're living in your world, Fort Worth has grown just exponentially. We are now, you know, the 13th largest city. And someone I met with this morning said, Deborah, we're well on our way to being the 11th largest city. We have a little under a million people right now. And by 2040, that's, that's 19 years away, we expect to be at 1.2 million people. The average age of our residents now is 37. And that's going to continue to drop because people are moving here looking for jobs. So when I say this is your world, as your mayor, I, I not only have to have a short-term plan, but I have to create a long-term plan so that I create the kinds of the environment that you're going to need. That means I'm going to have to be working on making sure that there is good housing stock and affordable housing for you all and not, you know, these 400,000 square, I mean, 4,000 square feet houses. I got to look at how we built affordable housing. I have to make sure that we're bringing the right kinds of jobs here. You know, you told me you had been an EMT. We got to bring high paying jobs here and make sure that we're giving you all the kinds of training that allows you to build that skill set to get that job. We have to have a great transportation system. You know, I grew up in an era of the car. You know, you have to have a car to get around. Well, big cities like uh, Fort Worth are need great transportation options, whether it's, uh, you know, light rail, whether it's the bus, whether it's making sure that we have ride share available, making sure whether we even have bikes and scooter pass. And so those are the kinds of things that when I talk about, we've got to create uh, an environment that is conducive to a, to giving everyone a greater lifestyle because you're going to be living here longer than I will. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, I, I want to get to more of that later, but I okay. want to know why did you decide to run for mayor? Like, what are you doing right now? Wow. 
So I so right now I serve. Uh, so watch this. I'm a community busybody, and that's how I got started. <laughs> My passion, and so I have always been engaged in uh, in community work, whether that was social justice or whether that was the arts. I'm a big uh, art person, as oh, you nice. can see from the art behind me, uh-huh. and uh, have have been in theatrical productions. I'm also very concerned about issues that uh, you know impact families. So I do a lot of volunteer work and it is that work that led me to have all these conversations with people and people were going, you know, I, uh, these are issues in my life. And I realized that the issues that were people that people were talking about were all issues that could be solved with proper management at the local level. So that's local government. And so I uh, decided in 2019, well, so let me tell you how old I am. I'm 68 for all you young ones don't go oh no (laughs) that's awesome I moved here in 1975 and started to work for the city of Fort Worth and personnel and the issues that I heard there every day from residents in 1975 were the same issues that I start hearing from people in the community in 20. 15, 2016, 2017. And I thought something's wrong. We are not meeting the needs of our citizens. And that really is what moved me to run for office. I uh, I spent uh, 34 years in corporate America. I started out as a member of the union. And so I'm very familiar with issues uh, surrounding working class people. I'm a working class person. And so I just feel like government should be looking at, uh, should not belong just to the elite. Government belongs to the masses. And for us, Fort Worth is a working class city. I believe I can bring the right perspective to those issues and work on solving problems that impact people's daily lives. So I just threw my hat in the ring. Okay. So um, I want to know about those issues, but a quick question. What's your passion? People. People. Uh, let, let me tell you, I believe that, and, and this is my saying, and they laugh 99% of everything we do, whether you're on a job, what, whatever, is built around your relationships with people and your ability to get things done. And so I, I think if you're meeting the needs of people and you're working with people, and then, then that's hitting the mark. And so many times, you know, people get wetted or people think my job is to count beans or my job is to drive this truck. But when you think about how that job intersects and interacts with other people, you you all of a sudden you have this paradigm shift. Why are you counting beans? It's so that we have the dollars to make sure that we can provide services to the people we serve. Or why are you driving that truck? You're delivering goods and services to other people because that you may have food and that's life sustaining. So I think once people start making this connection, then it, it makes uh, it, it makes work and it makes solving problems a lot easier. Okay. So you've been in the community, you say you, you've heard a lot of these same issues that keep coming up between the 1970s and now. Yeah. What, are some, what are some of those issues? So one of them is, let me just talk about our fast growth. So I'm going to give you a kind of quick tutorial on what my top three issues are. Cool. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I talk about is equity and bringing everybody to the table. So right now we have leadership that many times are people like me. They're either older, they're wealthier, and they bring a different mindset to the table. And they're not looking at issues that, they're not uh, making decisions about issues that concern the masses with this kind of global outlook. They say, well, you know, I'm a business person. I, I make, you know, X amount of dollars per year. I'm not worried about affordable housing. And so they make these decisions, zoning changes and all that, without looking at the 
the needs of the many. And so, uh, so I think that's one of them is bringing equity to the table. Most of our boards and commissions are run by, you know, business people, uh, many who don't look like me and you. And so we need to bring that diversity and equity to the table. The other thing is we're a collection of neighborhoods. And so I tell somebody, I'm a real one about participatory government. I believe in, you know, participatory budgeting, all kinds of things. When you give the citizens an active role in looking at issues and problem solving issues, then you bring people together. And so my theme, Caleb, is one Fort Worth because I want to do more on bringing people, more people on working class people, younger people under these boards and commissions so they can have an input of what this city looks like. And the final thing is taking a holistic approach to what we need. We need affordable housing. We need better transportation. We need the right infrastructure. We need to be uh, bringing people here that bring great jobs and so that our people can get them. We need a partnership with the school and these things shouldn't be siloed. You know, so many people silo things. No, you bring them all together. So you put together a plan for the city of Fort Worth and its residents holistically. Okay. So I like that holistic approach. And that's, uh, I think that's key to uh, many factors because uh-huh. I've said this many times before on previous shows that um, we have these spheres of, of life that are mm-hmm. separated right now and they're not talking to each other. The, yeah. the economy isn't talking to the public health sector and the public health sector isn't talking to the education sector. That's right. And that there's not a whole lot of uh, melding of that. And that's a huge issue. Um, it's very like, much like medicine. Medicine, you know, we have specialties yeah. with different doctors. We have you know, your heart surgeon, your brain surgeon. Um, there's something- it's one body. It's yes. one, this is the only body I have. And if somebody's not looking at it holistically, you can put me on one medication that does something else to the body that I don't need to happen. And so I'm going to give you a great example. Yesterday, I was on a, a forum with the candidate forum about the Arts Council. And so, you know, as you can see behind me, I, I'm a big art lover. And so the first thing that happens many times when people face budget cuts, they cut the arts. They go, okay, we don't need that to live, but you need reading, writing, and arithmetic, so cut the arts. Bad mistake. So one of the things I talked about yesterday is uh, the city of Fort Worth uh, does funding for arts programs. And the first thing they wanna cut when we get into a budget crunch is we cut arts programs. However, do you know what the number one industry in Fort Worth is? The arts district, isn't it? Tourism. That's right. People come to Fort Worth because of tourism. They want to see the stockyards. They want to see the museum districts. They want to see ballet folklorico. They want to see these things. And so what you do, if tourism is your number one industry, why are you limiting and curtailing things that bring tourists to town? And so, you know, we have hotel taxes. When people come to Fort Worth, they stay in hotels. They do that. We should be upping our game and and these things to get more tourists to come. And so when you don't approach things holistically and look at the connection between, you know, tourism, what tourism revenue does to the city budget and our coffers, you make these decisions without thinking long term. So practically, what does that mean? What does that mean to actually increase tourism within the city? So what that means for all of those who are like you and me, if you're out there now with a job, uh, so example, if you're a, if you work at a hotel, that means that your capacity, if you have 5,000 rooms, you start filling up your rooms faster. So you get hotel taxes. Those taxes, if you own a home, if we get more taxes like sales taxes and things that can offset some of the things in the budget, that means that you end up potentially with your tax rate going down on your home. So that's more money in your pocket. If you're a waiter or a waitress, if you're a frontline worker, that means more people come to eat at your restaurant. That means bigger tips for you, more capacity, those kinds of things. 
if you're an Uber driver, if you drive Uber, the more people that come to town, the more fares you have. And so there, there, and once you start realizing the connection that has you, and you say, gee, I can just cut my funding to the arts because that saves me X amount of dollars in the budget. But what you don't realize is it may save you X amount of dollars in the budget over here, but over here, you are cutting, you know, tips, hotel taxes, all those kinds of things. Okay. I, I really like how you, how you put that. That's cool. Okay. Um, how does your brain work? Just out of curiosity. I mean, you're, you're a really artsy person. I'm a musician. I, I, my wife, she loves as well being uh, like drawing and arts and all that stuff. So our brains are, are uh, different. The, the artsy type of people are, are a little different. So I'm well, so so. Let me tell you, then I'm all then I'm all screwed up. So I tell people, I you know I'm one of those people. I had to work for a living. I didn't you know get to be uh, to pursue my passion. I love telling people when I graduated from college, I walked across the stage. Now remember, this is 40 years ago. My mother was able to stand on the other side of the stage. She graduated grabbed me. She hugged me. She said, I love you. I'm so proud of you. Now, when are you going to go get a job? And so <laughs> I had to put the arts on the side and do volunteer work in the arts. But I went to work for a large corporation. I told you I started at the city of Fort Worth. I worked there and then I went to work for AT&T and I started as a member of uh, labor. I worked, I was a proud member of CWA. I later got promoted and worked my way up to become a vice president. And so I had to learn to balance left brain and right brain because I had to understand business. I had to understand, you know, spreadsheets and everything. I tell people statistics drove me crazy, but I had to master those things. But along the way, guess what? When I mastered all those things on, you know, over here about what makes a successful administrator, that left brain start going, but we could be better if we started putting people first, if we made it fun, if we did things. And so I'm this curious meld of um of the business side and the creative side. But for me, it works because, you know, going back to people, I had as many as 5,000 service reps working for me across 22 states. And I learned quickly that if I was able to uh, look after the people who work for me and build a better environment for them, then it impacted the bottom line positively. And so I have, you know, I tell everybody, I uh, believe if you take care of people, then and you're doing the right things for people, we are not always going to agree on everything. But if I'm hitting the mark most of the time, I create a much better workforce. I create a much better city. And in the end, we all have a much better quality of life. Well, that's really good you say that because uh, the uh, I've seen a lot of businesses really just focus on that bottom line where, I mean, our friends, family members, they're working for these businesses and it's literally just like they treat them like trash. Uh, they don't care. You know, the employees really have a lot of mental health issues simply because of their employers treating them like crap, right? Yeah. So that affects the bottom line. How did you get to that perspective? How did you take that holistic approach and apply some of these things that you learned to really uh, take um, – to, to, to take care of the worker. Because I was that person. I am that worker. I mean, trust me, I didn't, I, I tell everybody, I was a car hop. I was a maid. I had, I worked cleaning up people's houses. I worked at McDonald's. I worked as a sales clerk. I, so I didn't have this silver spoon in my mouth. I'm that very person that sat there and complained about the draconian way okay. they were treating employees. And as I started moving, Moving up the ladder, and I'll tell you a quick story. I was a part of a union, and I tell everybody the only thing I could do when I started to work for AT&T was chew gum and get to work on time. And they were like, stick 
sticklers about getting to work, but they trained you on everything. So I got this great training, but I love my job. I had to be at work at eight and I left at five. And so I, you know, so I was one of those people that complained about management. And one day somebody came to me and said, Deborah, you are good at what you do, but you also are always sticking your nose in everybody's business <laughs> and trying to help make things better. Think of what you could do if you were went into management. And I was like, oh, life is good. I go to work eight to five. I don't worry about it. And I thought about it and I said, okay, I'll try it. Once I became management, I realized I had the ability to positively impact people's lives. And so something as simple as I once had an employee who had no family, but her dog and she came to work and had to put her dog down. And I was like, that's her family. You need to go. You need to go now. And so, you know, of course, I got a grievance filed against because I'd let somebody off for, you know, they were going to put their dog down. And I said, that is her family. That's it. I mean, she doesn't have children. She doesn't have, you know, any relatives around. That is her family. We have to treat people. We have to meet them where they are and treat people like we would want to be treated. And if that were my family, I'd want to be walking out that door to be there when they put that puppy down. And so, you know, later, and then they came back to me and said, we get it. And because what she did is she felt valued and she's just this extraordinary person anyway. But when people feel valued and they know that they value them, it just makes them more productive and more willing to be part of the solution. That's really cool. Um, Is there a way to implement that with you as mayor? Is there a way for you to be like policy changes? Oh, absolutely. So one of the things, let me just tell you. So a couple of things. I I believe that when I am mayor, you know, the people that I answer to are the residents of the city of Fort Worth and more specifically, the employees that work in city government. And so I believe when you have employees who feel valued and who feel like uh, they get have input, then they are happier at their job. And so quick example, I was working on, a, uh, I, I was trying to reach out to city government about uh, a building that me and some people own because we wanted to get an inspection. It took us four weeks to get to a human being there to try to get it done. And so when I finally talked to somebody about it, they said, you know, they're they're overworked. They're they're overworked. They're they're tired. They're frustrated. You know, COVID. They've seen their resources, you know, de- depleted, and they're just tired. And so, you know, I think when you're a mayor, you get to sit down and work with the city manager and make sure that those people are getting resources and they feel better because when they feel better and they have to interact with the public, it's a whole different conversation. And so I think you can do that. The other thing, as far as the residents go, I talked about, I believe in participatory management on boards and commissions. We open them up and get more people on boards and commissions from the community. We do, uh, so Caleb, a real, <clears throat> a real, real example of that is we recently had uh, a vote on something that we call CCPD, which is community uh, police and uh, uh, community police control and prevention district. I, I have a problem with that, not because I don't believe in police and all of that. I do. But I had a problem because about several years ago, that was a community board and citizens came. We pay a half cent sales tax and citizens from all over the city got to come in and have input on how that money was spent. And so years, several years ago, the council in its infinite wisdom decided we can't trust the citizens with this. We're going to move that money in-house and we, the council, are going to decide how that money is spent. Bad move because citizens, you weren't being transparent. We weren't knowing how that money was spent. So 
I was concerned about it, not because I don't want to fund our police adequately. I do, but I felt like there's a lot of money in that pot that the citizens should be having some say in how it's spent. And so what I want to do when I'm mayor is reestablish that board and give them, you know, the ability to look at those dollars and how they're being spent. And so that doesn't mean that, you know, we're always going to agree, everybody's going to agree, but at least people, citizens, we're transparent, and they now can look at how those decisions, or as I say, how that sausage was made, and they don't feel like they're shut out of the process. Well, that's a uh, huge issue right now with politics. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. feel like politics is literally just the elite mm-hmm. making the decisions and the, the people have no say. Now, yeah. I have a strong uh, I have a strong passion for local politics. I think local politics yeah. is where you can actually make change. That's right. But like things when things like that occur, it really disheartens the people from ever getting involved. Yeah. And especially the younger people right now, because there there is a, you know, town halls and these community boards um, that's always been kind of the way to do things within local politics but i don't really think that that's actually giving these the same voice to the majority of the people because typically it's like the silent majority and the the uh small minority right is that right Mm -hmm. the silent yeah the silent majority yeah you know we have a small minority speaking for everybody else um even the people who are wanting to do good and that's great and a lot of people don't really care about politics and that's fine too but But they don't care caleb because they don't understand the relationship between politics and their life and so let me give you a, a good example and so this is an example from several years ago but it's probably one that has stuck with me the most it was when the state legislature was debating open carry and people were trying to de- debate open carry. And I went to uh, Tarrant County College and I was with a government class. And, you know, half the people in that class said they don't vote. They don't trust the government. They didn't vote. So I said, OK, so let's just talk about something that's currently happened, open carry. I said, how many of you all want guns in the classroom? And three people's hands shot up. How many of you don't? About 10 people's hands shot up and the rest of them really didn't have an opinion. I said, so no, no, no good or bad, no right or wrong here. And you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to. But how many of you all voted in the last election? And the three people that wanted open carry, their hands shot up. How many of you all who didn't want open carry didn't vote? And there was this look on everybody's face. And I said, so what I'm gathering from looking at you all is that many of you all don't want guns in the classroom, but you didn't go vote. So you let these folks over here who wanted guns in the classroom, you let three people make a decision for you. And it was this like this light bulb went on. And so I, you know, I believe we've reached people one by one. And so when you have those conversations with people and make the connections between decisions that are being made and its impact on their everyday lives, then then people understand why it's important for them to get engaged and to vote. And that's the issue with communication. We don't have communication right now. Um, and that's across the board. That's just not Fort Worth. That's every city. That's every, Absolutely. everywhere. And you know, the other thing, Caleb, and I tell people, <clears throat> I'm a working class person. I, I had to go to work. You know, there were... Um, at one point, nine, uh, I have nine brothers and sisters. Uh, five of them are uh, my actual blood brothers and sisters. And then th- uh, th- I, so I have eight brothers and sisters. Five are my actual brothers and sisters. And three were uh, three boys that my mother took in and raised that are my brothers. And so, you know, we didn't have the luxury of having parents who could buy us cars or give us money. And so I, I'm a working class person. I think too often the way the system is rigged now. The wealthy run for these offices and they control them, but they can't connect to everyday citizens and the struggles that we go through. And so that is one of the reasons I'm running. Everybody said, and it was funny because uh, Fort Worth Star-Telegram said, um, you know, they felt like the race would go to the two best funded candidates who happened to be uh, Republicans who are one loaned himself 
uh, you know, $300,000 and the other has big, uh, you know, West 7th Street backing them and they can raise this kind of money. But those people don't understand our everyday struggles. And so when they're making decisions, who are they making decisions based on their life? They're making decisions based on their life experience and their life experience may say, gee, uh, you know, my fan belt broke on my car. I'll just go buy a new car. Where if your fan belt broke, we're down at the auto supply store trying to buy a new fan belt and figure out how to get it on there. <laughs> hmm. uh, yeah, you, uh, the there is a disconnect, definitely. I will say yeah. that. Um, how do you plan on fixing that disconnect with communication and getting getting more of this out there? Um, because you, you've referenced the working class a lot, and yeah. that's great. But a lot of times the working class doesn't have time to come to a town hall or join a board. I love you. So good leaders have to be out among pe- the people. I mean, you know, we, you know, th- there's this old thing, you know, if Mohammed won't come to the mountain, you take the mountain to Mohammed. That's the way I lead. I am in the community every day. I am out every day visiting with people. I even tell the joke that I tried to volunteer for the census and they said, nah, you can't volunteer. You have to be sworn in and work. I guess what I did this summer, I went to work for the census because I knew there was a need. That meant that uh, people in low-income neighborhoods and people of color weren't being counted. And I wanted to make sure that something was being done. So I, in addition to my many things that I I did as chair of the Democratic Party and uh, all the committees that I work on, I went to work for the census, not because I needed the money, but because I wanted us to be counted. You got to be out there. I would be out in these neighborhoods. There is not one neighborhood in Fort Worth that I haven't been to. Uh, and, you know, people tell me all the time, Deborah, some of these neighborhoods are rough. I said, no, they aren't. They're people. They are people. I, I, And so I think good leaders have to be willing to go where the people are. So that means if you all work and you don't get off from work till five o'clock, that means that I need to be sitting somewhere in your neighborhood at six or seven o'clock so that you can come. Or, or if the only time you can meet me is on Sunday after afternoon, then I need to be willing to do that. And I am. I mean, I live that life because I can remember when my voice wasn't heard, when my kids were in school and I was working full time and my kids had a problem, you know, if I couldn't get off from work, that was a problem. And so we got to meet people where they are. Okay. But again, practically, how do you meet people where they are with with that same exact situation? So that exact same situation happens all the time today. Um, And I love like, this is, this is amazing. I love that. This is what you're trying to do. I'm just kind of curious, you know, I've, Here's, here's another issue with mine with politics. Um, I think the community, we talk about communication breakdowns, but I also mm-hmm. think that there's a lot of uh, like airy talk. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not really like concrete. It's not practical. Yeah. It's like, we want change. So do we, we want more of this. So do we, it's like, how do we actually so, do that? Caleb, I walk the walk. So let me just tell you. And I'm not, I'm definitely, when, let me, I'm not saying yeah, that. That's no, no, you. no. And I'm just gonna, but I'm going to give you a good example. Perfect. When I retired and I took over as chair of the Tarrant County Democratic Party, Democrats were getting their butts kicked all over Tarrant County. And so I went in and I sat down and said, why? Why? And so what I got was a picture of a very small elitist group that said, if you don't check all these boxes, you're not a good Democrat. And I said, bull. Okay, Uh, you're you know, if you know, you could be a conservative and have issue with some things of the Democratic Party, but you agree with others. So I said, okay, we got to expand the tent. Okay, all these people, and I had people coming to me saying, you know, I was told that I wasn't a good Democrat because I didn't support this. I said, do you vote for Democrats? Yes, I do. You're a good Democrat. So we expanded the tent. It was like reaching out to every And then you have to have a plan. That meant that I needed to be out in the streets. I I started started visiting with people on the north side and people were saying, oh, you know, the Latinx community, they don't vote. I said, bull. That's the same thing they said about the black community. When people, you talk to people and you engage people, they will. So we started doing all kinds of outreach. So guess what happened? I was out there every day. I was 
was out in meetings in far north Fort Worth where they said, you'll, you can't win anything in Colleyville, South Lake. Nobody wants to see you. You know, don't come up to Eagle Mountain Lake because you're a person of color and people really you know, fear for your safety. Yeah. I mean, I heard all these things. I went everywhere and people, once I start going everywhere and start listening to people and saying, you know, let's work on this issue. Guess what happened? Nobody believed it, but in 2018, Beto O'Rourke won Tarrant County. We picked up three more Democratic office holders. In 2020, everybody was saying, you know, we're going to wipe the floor with, uh, you know, with Democrats in Tarrant County in 2020. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris won Tarrant County. We picked up two more Democratic office holders. I tell everybody it's a people business. This is not a a Democrat or Republican business or Libertarian or Green Party. This is a people issue business. And if you're out talking to people and showing them how these issues impact their lives, then people start believing and working with you. And so I, you know, I, I tell everybody, I get along with the Republican um party chair, get along with the Libertarian Party chair, because our goal, our goal has to be to get more people to vote. And so, you know, when you go to the polls, I want you to vote Democratic. Rick wants you to vote Republican. You know, Libertarians want you to vote. But the ultimate goal where we all can sit at the table and agree on is getting more people to vote. So it is this willingness to find consensus where you can and then work on your plan. And that's what I see a lot of the issues happening. I see the the people who are um, like... uh, my age group, at least, because that's uh-huh. that's the typical uh, people I'm talking to right now. I try and branch out and stuff like that. But my the yeah. typical gen, gen, this generational age group, they they typically aren't like, yes, I completely agree with this yes. party or I completely agree with this party. Yeah. It's like, no, I, I see where they're coming from and I see where the other people are coming from. But I don't really I can't really identify with each one because they've always kind of gotten separated. And so I'm like, how do we get this to where you're actually talking to people you and work on that, issues? Yeah, you work on issues. And so, for example. I was talking to people in far north Fort Worth last night. And so I had talked to the fire department. And so I know that there is a huge issue with all the rapid growth in North Fort Worth. And so what happened was we we when we built uh, the Speedway, Texas Motor Speedway, and we built all those houses up there, we didn't have the right infrastructure. I'm sorry, I, I can't I can't really hear. Is there somebody else talking out there? Okay, but I yes, they're gone now, but oh, I okay. Of roads and having uh, roads and bridges and what I call infrastructure to accommodate that, we didn't have it. Baby, that wasn't a Republican issue or a Democratic issue or a Libertarian issue. That was a people issue. So yeah. it doesn't matter what side of the political persuasion you're on. When you call an ambulance, it takes that ambulance a little longer to get there. You should know you were an EMT versus other areas of the city. So when I'm talking to them, I'm not talking about their political persuasion. I want to know what your issues are and where then we all meet together on an issue and we work to solve it. And that's where I think the biggest disconnect is, is that people get ideology focused and not issue focused. And once you're issue focused, you get to make change and you see things happen. And so I tell everybody, I'm a Democrat because the Democratic Party on issues of social justice and fair wages and, uh, you know, living conditions and universal health care. Those are issues that I believe in. But I'm also fiscally conservative. So, you know, that uh, so I have one foot over there. But so my thing is, I don't care what your beliefs are. I want to know what your issues are. And then we can always find common ground. That's awesome. So one of the huge issues that I've noticed, um, one is is is. Uh, the Fort Worth ISD, I think it's it's great in some areas, but it's lacking in a lot of other other areas. And I know a lot of families have actually not moved to Fort Worth because of the ISD. So how do we fix that? 
So easy. We partner with Fort Worth ISD. And so there years ago, and so you all are young, but this is where age comes in and helps. The city of Fort Worth, the city council and the Fort Worth ISD used to meet on a regular basis to talk about issues and what were the needs uh, of our students coming out. You know, what, what did we need? What kinds of jobs were we recruiting for? You know, were we working to bring to Fort Worth and what were the skill sets that they needed. And so, you know, it drives me crazy right now that we have brought these companies here and they have their data departments and they move their data departments to uh, Irving or they move them places because they say we don't have the skill sets in Fort Worth. Well, had we been forward thinking and sat down and said, look, we're trying to work with XYZ company and they're going to need, you know, people with computer skills and programming skills, et cetera. We should have been sitting with the with the ISD saying, listen, we're trying to bring 5,000 jobs here and be, these uh, jobs need to have these programming skills or computer skills. We're trying to bring, you know, X amounting jobs here and these folks need to understand plumbing and our engineering or electrical work. And then we make sure that the curriculum or that they're designing a curriculum that prepares our students to come out and get this job. Nobody wants their, I, I certainly don't want students that are coming out of school with no real skills or, you know, things like that because I'm depending on you all to help fuel the economy and to get things going. So I, what I want to do as mayor is restart that, uh, is reopen that communication between the ISD and city government and government to say what are need, what are the needs that we have? What are things that we could be doing better as a city? What do we need you to do as a school district? You know, how do we mailed this government and education so for the benefit of everyone so really left hand isn't talking to the right hand that's absolutely kind of what's, okay. absolutely and that and and let me just tell you that is absolutely uh what happens and it's he who tells the story you know uh is it, you know they go and say well it's their fault it's their fault it's their fault no if you get everybody in a room together and say it's not them versus it's not us versus them it's we you change the whole conversation you know another issue um that i've seen come up a lot is uh like we, i know somebody who who actually built a house in mm -hmm. fort worth they had, to, they had to deal with all the fort worth zoning and uh -huh. they said it was the worst experience they've ever ever imagined and they said they will never again build a house in fort worth and a lot but of contractors you, are like that too but you see what you just said so when we make city government when we make these things a barrier to doing business we really run people away we have got to turn around and figure out, you know, why are we making it so hard? What's wrong with the process that we're making it so hard for people? Another thing I tell people, I just left a meeting where uh, a group of city employees were telling me this story that made me cringe about a payroll system that produces inaccuracies in their paycheck. This has been going on for 10 years. I, I, I was like incredulous. How do you let something like that happen over that long a period of time? And I said, let me tell you, I, you know, I'm, I'm a working class person. I had to work for a living. I needed to know what my paycheck was. I, I, every, I, you know, I had dependents. I had bills I have to pay. And for th that to go on for 10 years is unacceptable. And so one of the things I wanted to do, I said, you know, election is on May the 1st. That's on a Saturday. May the 2nd is a Sunday. May the 3rd, I'm not even sworn in yet, but I'm down there at City Hall saying, and get me to accounting, get me to purchasing. Let me understand this payroll system because it, it can't exist on my watch. It just can't. And I mean, if that means that we have to suck it up and say this was a bad financial decision, uh, let's get the right uh, let's get the right software in here so that we get people's paychecks right. Because how can you expect people to do their best for you if they if if from paycheck to paycheck they don't know what is going to happen? Right. Wow. So it seems like you've dealt with people all your life. That's your passion. Uh -huh. Loving on people, talking to people, seeing where they're coming from. That's your passion. So if if 
communication breakdown at its root is the cause for all these issues. Mm -hmm. And it seems like it's the cause in every issue that I've ever experienced. Yeah. It's always like, okay, you don't necessarily know what I'm, what the context or the, the, the what, what I'm, I'm trying to say. And then it gets uh -huh. mistaken for something completely different. That's communication breakdown. Um, if that's the root cause, why is that happening all the time? You see what I just did? <laughs> I, I, these are my ears. I have two ears. People don't listen. They go in with a preset notion. You know, most people who go into something already have decided that they know what the answer is. And so we don't have good dialogue. So this is where I say I'm constantly learning. I have, uh, 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 well, I say I have multiple children. And what they tell me all the time is you need to learn to listen. Mm. You know, stop always being the smart, pretending that you're the smartest person in the room and listen. And so I, I tell people all the time, I have mentors, believe it or not, that are 17 and 18 years old. I, I understand that there is a lot that I can learn from people. I mean, and it doesn't have to do with whether you have a PhD or an MD. I mean, my mother's best friend, my mother was a teacher. My mother's best friend was a maid who did not have a high school degree, but it was probably one of the most brilliant people I've ever known. And, you know, circumstances as a woman of color back in the 50s, you know, she came out and went to work without a degree, but she was brilliant. You good leaders, good leaders are just good people. Listen, and they learn to listen. And I tell everyone, I, I don't always make the right decision, but I always am willing to listen to somebody. And if I have made a bad decision, I will be the first to tell you I have made a bad decision and I'm not ashamed to tell you and I will get better. But when we have leaders who get wedded to doing things a certain way or answering to only certain people, that is why we have problems. Wow. So that is amazing because that's where we see a lot of these, these communication breaks, exactly what you're saying. But how do we get that mindset of being a lifelong student into the education system? You know, the education system right now, we, we, we say, okay, you have your high school degree. Okay. Now you have your bachelor's. Okay. Now you have your master's. Oh, now you have your doctor, your MD. Now you're the, you're the head honcho. But it seems like when people finally get to that checkpoint, they, they stop learning. And that's yes. the issue with our science, with our medical system. It's people are stopped, are, are not learning anymore. So how do we get we that talk, in there? We can talk all day, but the world is changing. And so let me just tell you, you know, the thought that I was born. So I'm just telling you full disclosure. I'm 68 guys. I was born in 1952. In 1952, the, there was this country and this country and this country and never the twain shall meet. You know, the most people did if you lived in the Northeast, you went to Canada. If you lived in the Southwest, you went to Mexico. But the rest of the world was them, their people. And so, but the world now has changed so that things change in an instant. And if you are not a lifelong learner, if you don't keep up with current events, you're behind. I mean, if you're not knowing what goes on in Europe and how that impacts us in the United States, you know, now everybody says our big enemy is China. It's this. Well, if you don't know about China, how do you know they're our enemy if you don't know about these things? And so, you know, one of the things I do is I, I constantly read. My family says that I live on about two hours uh, asleep mm -hmm. because I am constantly, you know, I, I look at Fox News. I want to know what's going on on Fox News. I want to know what people are saying. I, I So I have a multiple, you know, a many places that I go to get information. And the other thing, I read. If, if I want to know something, I go and read it. Now, am I an expert on solid waste? <laughs> no. <laughs> Do I know about, you know, solid waste management and why it's important to the center, uh, to the city? Yeah, I, I, I have a general idea. Do I know about flood control? I met and talked to the people from the Tarrant County Water District. I wanted to know there were people who died in Southeast Fort Worth because of that of flooding a couple of years 
years ago. I wanted to know about flood control and what the plans were because it's important. If I'm going to try to lead this city, I need to know about that. So I tell people, you don't have to be an expert, but you should go and know just some basics. And lifelong learning is critical. It is. Our world is changing rapidly. And things we do today we didn't do five years ago. Like, for instance, I now have a TikTok account, guys. I, I you know, oh, I, man. Yeah, I, you know, it's like, gee, Facebook, <laughs> then Twitter, then Instagram. Yeah. I mean, you know, we have to find out how people communicate and how uh, they're, they're, they learn. You know, for me, I'm everything. I'm a visual learner. I'm an audible learner. You know, I, you know, I read things and, you know, the, for example, I have a good friend of mine who was a fireman. I wanted to learn about issues with the fire department. So I read the plan. I read, you know, they're governed by 134, the contract that they're governed by. But then I talked to a fire and said, so how does all this impact you? You know, I was talking to you about basic versus advanced on a, a, on ambulances. It's because I need to know, it's not just book learning, as the old folks would say, it's also practical learning. So I encourage everybody, you know, please, wherever you get your news from, you know, you can Google it. Good joke. Have a daughter who has a PhD in women and gender studies, and she's at the University of Michigan. And I was saying one day on a podcast that Fort Worth is bigger than Atlanta. It's bigger than New Orleans. It's bigger than D.C. And my daughter texts me while I'm on this podcast and she goes, Fort Worth is bigger than Atlanta, question mark, question mark, question mark. Now, here's somebody who got their Ph.D. from Emory Universe and I uh, university and I text her back and say, Google it. <laughs> He texts me back in like 30 seconds. It says, my bad. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, you know, guys, that doesn't mean you have to go to the library. There are so many ways that we can get information these days. But be curious. I mean, be yeah. curious and learn about it. So, yeah, uh, yeah so I, I, I'm a lifelong learner. You know, okay. I don't change. And um I just think it's in everybody's best interest that we learn. And so, you know, right now I have a two and a half year old granddaughter and what I am focused on is making the world better for her. I want, you know, some of the issues, okay, that uh, somebody's talking in the background and I'm shooing them away. <laughs> you know, I tell everybody, I, I focus on, you know, not only do good leaders have short-term plans and those are things that are going to make my life better better, but good leaders also have long-term plans. And so in 2040, my granddaughter will be 22 years old. And so I need to be working on creative solutions for things yeah. when she's an adult. Yeah, exactly. So in the last five minutes here, uh, what are the first three things that you're going to do if you get elected mayor? three things I'm going to do is just what I talked about is bringing people together. And so I am going to be reaching out to all of these different groups across the city and looking at these boards and commissions, putting together this kind of uh, think tank and think tank and not a two year think tank, because I, I believe people already know the issues. They can sit down and tell me what the issues are. And so it is coming up with this, uh, you know, this 100 day plan that has input from not only the citizens of the of Fort Worth, but the employees of the city of Fort Worth. And then I think one of the things that they're going to want to look at is this whole idea about equity and inclusion across all the city. And then we're going to pick a couple of things, uh, top things like transportation. I think we got to go in and dust off uh, our plan for public transportation and start working on that and come up with an updated plan. And then we're going to look at infrastructure. And uh, so there are a ton of things, but that's the first thing is getting buy-in for my 100-day plan. Okay. Well, Miss Peoples, thank you so much. You are, I'm, I'm, I hope, you know, things turn out well for you either way, whether you, whether you win or lose. Oh. So, Caleb, I don't go away. I'm committed to this city, and I hope you know how passionate I am. I'm committed to this city. I'm committed to the people of this city, and I'm going to do everything I can, win, lose, or draw. I plan to win. I plan to be your next mayor, and together, 
together, we're going to make this city a world-class city. And, um, and that's my biggest thing is I want to do these things together. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I wish you the best. Okay, thank you for having me on. And uh, and see, we didn't get into all the good nitty gritty things about me. So that's that's good. But have me back, okay? Have well, me one back. day, one day okay. we will. Okay. All right, bye, Miss Peoples. Bye-bye. Have a good one.